Psychology in Seattle. Umberto, have you heard about the furries? Have you heard of the furry culture people? Like the Greek furies, you know? Like no, the, the furries, the people who dress up in furry outfits. Oh, like when it's wintertime or the no, Inuit. No, no they just like furry, like teddy bears. and. Oh, that kind of furries. I, I guess I have heard, yes. So patron Kim wrote in and said, is it a sexual deviant thing? And why does this community attract so many sexual deviants? <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. Is it, that's hilarious. Is it, is it at all about sexual deviancy? And by the way, why are they all sexual deviants? <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into it. Let's talk about what the psychology is behind furries and just how sexually deviant it is. That sounds sexually interesting. <laughs> this is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Umberto Castaneda, and I run an organic clinic uh, that specializes in bee morticians. So long story short, it's not a deviant thing. Uh, I'm not, I, I actually didn't read Patron Kim's entire email, so I probably was mischaracterizing her, her overall question, but long story short, it's not, but let's get into it. But before we do that, I want to provide a caveat that I'm not an expert on furries. I'm not a furry. I've never been to a furry convention. I have done some research. I've looked up some science, and I've reached out to actual furries and talked with them about this. So, you know, just take everything I'm about to, I'm about to say with a grain of salt. I'm obviously not going to know all the lingo and all the different nuances. Right. But, you know, I feel, I feel confident I can speak with some authority. I'm actually really experienced because when I was seven, I, I dressed up, maybe I was eight, I dressed up as a werewolf for Halloween, and I've also been Chewbacca, so. Right, that's something we'll get into later, is all of us technically are furries, because <laughs> at some point in our life, we have enjoyed a teddy bear or dressed up in an outfit or... I mean, to be fair, for me, it was drawing the hair on my skin, but still. But that is... We'll get into it. Uh, you know, it's 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 essentially that. You know. Anyway, so an anonymous patron wrote in and provided the following story: I was involved in the furry community for about eight years, starting in two thousand four, way back when, creating costumes, wearing them, even helping to run conventions. In my part of the country, the fandom skews very young, and I am in my forties, and I'm a woman. So I feel pretty awkward to show up amongst a sea of college-age men. My way into the fandom was through art. I have always been a cartoonist and loved to sew stuffed animals, even as a young child. It wasn't a sexual mm. thing for me, although I did have friends for whom it was a fetish. In general, the custom costumes are so expensive that the ones you see out in public aren't the ones that you will also see in the bedroom. Custom costumes, custom costumes, custom costumes, custom costumes. No joke, these costumes uh, these days run between three to $6,000. Yikes, Ors! Some of these people are very fantasy-prone, and it feels like they are finally, quote-unquote, themselves. Hmm. Some of these folks may feel almost like a, the alter ego is a spirit animal of sorts, and others come to furry from a performance and acting perspective. So furry is like a noun. Right. I just realized that in this email. Yeah. And for some, it's like Halloween, where you just want to get to be someone else for a while. 
Okay, so Berto, let's define what is a furry. I guess someone who wants to dress up in a costume of some sort, maybe ideally it has fur to it, <laughs> and they want to role play, perhaps? Okay. Yeah, so there are different sorts. That's one sort, but there's a lot of different sorts, and we'll get into the statistics. Actually, only a minority of people, a minority of people who identify as furry have a fur suit. What? Yeah. We need a new label here. Right. So, but once we get into this, it'll start making more sense. Um, so some like to dress up in a cute fury, furry costume. Uh-huh. Some just like the art online. Do you think Nick Fury is a furry? Some like to fantasize about being another animal. Some have a sexual component to it, like they fantasize about having sex with an animal or an animal-human hybrid or something. Um, you know, it's part of their sexual life. Like a and, satyr or something. Yeah. Or like there's there's plenty of anime characters who are hybrids. Centaurs. Yeah. Well, you keep going to Greek. My Little Ponies. Yeah. It's, or, or like Mickey Mouse, you know, <laughs> Mickey and Minnie or something, you know. Um, you don't have to do Greek. You could do any number of things. You could. Some actually want to be another animal. So to me, as I started looking into this, on the surface of this, it's, it's, it's very similar to Trekkies or Star Wars fans mm-hmm. or, even, or even sports fans, as far as I can tell. You know, they love this particular thing dearly. They're super into it. They're nerds for it. They go online and look at pictures and videos. You know, as a Seahawks fan, as a UW Husky fan, I will, during during football season, I listen to Seahawks podcasts. I Uh listen to Huskies podcasts. I watch the games. People around me are like, why are you spending so much time watching football? (laughs) I go to the games. You know, when you go to the games, everyone dresses up and – and furries. <laughs> well, you know, actually, what I've noticed in the in the past twenty years is that people, uh, fans, are start. Everyone dresses up in some of the color. You yeah. Know? Like when you go to a Seahawks game, the the stands, it's all blue and and that limey green color. Yeah. And when you go to Husky games, it's all purple and gold. Twenty years ago, up until ten years ago, that wasn't the case. Mm. Like. To see someone dressed up in that full-on outfit at a football game, they were a weirdo. Now, typical Seahawks <laughs> game, you'll see hundreds of people dressed like in, in the full-on. Yeah, with full uh, mohawks and face makeup. <laughs> and they're just regular people now. Used, they used to be like the complete weirdos. <laughs> and so I think as our country becomes more affluent uh-huh. and I think more hobby-oriented, because – when you think 20, 30, 40 years ago, my parents anyway, there wasn't this emphasis on hobbies the way that there are today among adults. You know what I mean? Mm, really? That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, think hobby about... Hobby is such an antiquated word. But it's like hobbies of our, the generation before us was like, you know, maybe fishing. Sure. You know, maybe knitting or something. But not like full-on super nerd dumb and i mean <laughs> most adults have something that and they but they wouldn't even define themselves as a super nerd uh-huh. you know but when you look around their house it's like well how many seahawks memorabilia things do you have around your house just count them sure all the beer cozies all the coins the the stickers the 
the the uh, you know calendars, right, right, right. The bobbleheads, the Christmas lights in the front of the yard, the the sticker on your car. Um, hate to break this to you, but you're a super nerd. Your wallet. <laughs> yeah, you're a super nerd for for this for this thing called football. Yeah, but okay, so that's fair. But I feel like. People used to collect stamps. They don't collect stamps nowadays, you know. Well, some people, do. Use, but you know what C- I mean. Certainly, totally. But yeah. I think that was rarer, and because you know, previous to twenty, thirty years ago, the vast majority of people had kids, mm. and they had lots of kids. Yeah, you know, the average family was like three plus. So you know, you'd have like five, six kids. Yeah, and you don't have time as a parent for, for hobbies. Hobby. Plus, there, there wasn't this kind of culture where you could even really participate. That's why stamp collecting was a thing, because <laughs> it's just something you could possibly get and save, right? Because you get stamps in the mail. But, like, the people today, there's an, there's an entire store called Hobby Lobby, you know? Yeah. There's entire sections of Bed, Bath & Beyond that are just dedicated to football and soccer. Yeah. There's entire stores dedicated to bobbleheads and you know, anime figures, you know, that kind of thing did not exist when we were kids. Interesting. I mean, just think back <clears throat> that stuff. Like when we were kids, the biggest thing was star Wars figures, right? right? But even those for when the first star Wars movie came out, they had no idea the demand that they, sure. they ran out of things. <laughs> you could buy a couple toys at first. <laughs> right. And, uh, most movies didn't have action figures. You just think about that. Think about that. You go to right. Raiders of the Lost Ark, and there's there's no there's nothing to do beyond right. that. You just there's no internet, there's no posters, there's no figures, <laughs> there's no video game, there's no fan fiction, there's no YouTube channels, there's no re- <laughs> there's no reviews, there's no recaps, there's no predictions for the next one. It's I just gr- you just go to the movie and you go home yeah. and that's it. Growing up in Colombia, the sports thing was always there. Like, people have always been obsessed with their soccer team. And I guess that was a a thing where people did have all sorts of sports paraphernalia. Uh, I guess they wouldn't dress up in suits. That's the thing. But they definitely had uh, all sorts of posters and banners and shirts and things. Um, But I also know that maybe you know, actually more popular in this country even, I think people's group identity used to maybe, maybe males anyways, used to be around things like Boy Scouts growing up and then maybe later you might be in a frat and then maybe later you might be in one of those like the Masons or the the Hunting Lodge or whatever the heck it is. Right. And so today, since those things are falling out of fashion or there's a yeah. more plurality around these kinds of things, there's all these other things that crop up right. like like furries. So... So to me, when I started really looking into it, I was like, oh, when you really look at the furry culture, it's, it's really just one of those nerd, nerd sections like Trekkies or Star Wars fans or, or sports fans. Uh-huh. And, you know, also, you know, and, but then you think, well, you said, you know, sports fans, they don't dress up in furry costumes. Well, how many times have you and I dressed up as a <laughs> Star Wars character? Right. Or, you know, you did Harry Pooter or whatever. <laughs> Harry Potter, what the? That was when you're Poe Dameron and Harry Potter and Chewbacca <laughs> all at the same time. Wasn't it Harry Pobacca da- po or Poe? Po- I can't remember. So I've dressed up as Luke as a kid. I've dressed up as Han as an adult. 
I have gone as Sam from Sunrise Kingdom. I've dressed up as Wesley from The Princess Bride. And I've even gone as Captain Kirk to Halloween. <laughs> and I did not de- take these things lightly. It was a big deal. You know, sure. I, I had the gun and it was it, it felt fun to play Captain Kirk right, for, right. for a night. So so that's uh, in, in a nutshell. So some people like to dress in furry costumes. Some don't. You know, some are into the art online. Some aren't. Some are into like fan fiction. Some aren't. Some people like to fantasize about being another animal. Some for some there's a sexual component, and for some they actually want to be another animal. Mm. There's this thing called a fursona. Can you imagine what that is? A fursona. Yeah. Like a persona, but furry. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> that, so so you have your normal personality. Yeah. And then you put on your fursona. So so. As I was saying earlier, there's a lot of variety for furries, but Uh this is actually something that there's not a lot. According to one survey, 95% of furries have a fursona. So this is what you're saying, basically a persona that's their furry persona. They... When when they go online or when they're at conventions, they might actually play pretend this fursona. So if they're a fox... Mm-hmm. You know, a vixeny fox girl. Oh, kind of what would they say? Yeah, uh, they. You know, well, for some, I think they literally just make sounds like a fox. <laughs> I think that's actually true. <laughs> now, for some of these people, it can be very casual, like dressing up as Captain Kirk and, uh-huh. and saying, you know, canon statements like "Beam me up, Scotty." Just joking, <laughs> but uh, for some, it can be quite serious, where it's. They feel like they're actually stepping into their real skin, in a sense. Oh, interesting. Um, what would be your fursona? My fursona would be like some sort of gorilla outfit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Don't you have a gorilla tattoo? Gorberto. Don't you have a gorilla tattoo? <laughs> I do, yeah. Why? Uh, I identify with both. I love the fact that gorillas are these like massive, strong creatures, and yet they're very chill, kind of zen they take their time. They they're veggie eaters, you know. So this is interesting because when we were in a band together, and bef- actually more pointedly, when before I was in a band with you, yeah, you're in this band called Missionary, right? And correct me if I'm wrong, but you and the other band members, uh, you you created this world, yeah. where each of you was like a different animal, different, yeah, yeah, different spirit animal or something, yeah. So you were the gorilla <laughs> yep and other bandmates were different animals well it actually was a little a little trickier than that we had a gorilla and a small chimp and each of us were additional entities okay um yeah so that's kind of like a persona for total persona and you actually developed a little comic book yeah so as you thought about your band you thought it would be fun to yeah. adopt these other right and it wasn't just frivolous. You also felt like it kind of represented your characters. Yes, yes. Because uh, the whole idea was, um, you know, a spin on the whole concept of a missionary. The missionary was this kind of Christian entity moving into a savage world and converting the natives. But instead we thought, well, what if the 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 forest, the jungle... And the spirits were the missionaries coming to convert the humans, you know. And so each of us was sort of like a jester character from different mythology. Uh, not jester, a, a, like a, 
like a prankster, like Loki sort of, but from different mythologies. And then those go- the gorilla spirit was, and the chimp, they were sort of uh, the sun and the moon of this thing. So it's very furry. Very furry. Where the animals come and help to make the humans more animalistic. Yeah. So there's this other thing called fursuiting. Can you imagine what that is? Uh, I figure like they're dressed in fur and then they wear a suit on top of the fur. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Really? They wear, no. They oh. wear a fur suit and uh, uh, what percentage of fur? <laughs> sorry, sorry, because for a second I imagined like that character in Hanna-Barbera, he's like a gorilla, but he's got like a nice little hat and like the little bow tie. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. Yeah, it's like that. Like I imagine like they're dressed in furry and then <laughs> a suit. But anyways, you're saying they're just... That's when they suit up. Yeah. Okay. So <clears throat> what percentage of people who identify as a furry own a full suit? Well, it sounds like you, you kind of spoiled the party here. I would have said like 99%, but now I'm going to go 60%. 13. Whoa. 13%. They only have to be... So there's no pre-qualifications here. You could be a furry without owning a furry costume, but well, the most, majority of them. Most don't. So what do they own? What... What makes Nothing. them a furry? Nothing. They don't own any fur suit. Uh, Do they just a uh, voyeur? About, about half of them own a tail. Oh. So or or maybe some more own like ears, ears or something. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. So they they don't go full furry. Well, uh, but I think part of this is that you have an expectation about what furries are. Yeah. Because of what little media has paid attention to it, right. and you've consumed. And I'm here to break some of those myths. Is mm. that furry does not mean you have a fur suit? In fact, most furries don't have a fur suit. It's oh. much. It's much more than that. There's this other thing called otherkin. Have you heard of this before? Uh yeah, I have. Isn't this where it's like you have um, like an animal that's your alter or something? Yeah, yeah. That, like a cat or right. Yeah. So you. A woman might be like, "I'm other kin. I'm I'm not really human. I'm not really." Oh right, right, right. It's not that. Yeah, they actually are like, "I'm not human. I'm a cat." Right. Yeah. They identify as another animal or partially as another animal. And there's people that go through ex- extreme lengths to modify their their physical appearance. Right. So there are people like that. Yeah. And you know, each to their own. But again, most people who are other kin don't don't do anything like that uh-huh. it's just an internal they don't they don't do any plastic surgery or I anything see. like that in fact i would venture to say 99.999% of furries don't do any plastic surgery or tattooing to make themselves look like the animal who do would you, be your other kin oh so for me i've always said a duck a duck you'd be a duck tell me more <laughs> well, one, I'm sick and tired of everyone choosing all the cool animals. And <laughs> you feel the duck's getting the shaft. Right. And it's just like, it's so predictable. Oh, I'm a wolf. You could fly. Or I'm a cat. Right. Or I'm a leopard. And it's like, right. So to me, I'm about pragmatics. So ducks can fly. Right. Which is awesome. That Imagine is awesome. being able to fly. Yeah. They can walk. And, right. they, and they can swim, and they can swim underwater. Because, see, if I was going to go the flight route, I would definitely go more like hawk, you know? Because hawks are cool. Well, they're badass, not just cool. <laughs> but, but I wouldn't go full eagle, you know? 
Hawks and Eagles are. Have you? Some Hawks are more badass than any. Eagles. That's that's why I'm. I'm kind of. I'm giving up the the square on the board that I don't really care about because I want the the Hawks square. In fact, this is could be all wrong, but you know that sound that you associate with an eagle. The yeah, the, yeah, that's yeah. actually from my memory not an eagle. It's actually a hawk. Really? Yeah. The sound that bald eagles make anyway. It's um, actually, you'd be surprised what the sound actually is. Oh, really? I've actually heard, because I used to have some living by me in Lake City, and they make actually really interesting noises. I think when they mate, they mm. like fly around in the sky, and they make this really kind of weird... I used to go shooting the bald eagles, but I guess I must have gotten them before they made any sounds. Yeah. So other kin are people who identify as another animal. And the, people use this term quite in a variety of ways, but, you know, so just keep that in mind. So what percentage of furries say do, they do not feel 100% human? Oh, interesting. Well, I mean, 5%. 35%. Wow. So about a third of them say, yeah, I don't really, I feel like I'm part non-human. So it's way more of a defining characteristic of a furry that they don't fully feel human, then they own a full furry suit. Right. So you're seeing what I was seeing, yeah. was that being furry is less about dressing up in a fursuit and more about your identity as a, human, as a person. Um, also, when, what about non-furries? Because, you know, non-furries could identify as not feeling entirely human. Okay, so, well, what percent? 5%. <laughs> yeah, close, about 7%. That's surprisingly high. So, what, how do you so non-furries, <laughs> so just, you know, non-furries, yeah. 7% of them say they do not feel entirely human. Okay. So there's a lot of people, 7% of people. Right. United States, what is that, like 7 times 35? That's a it's lot like, it's of like potatoes. 220, what is that, 220,000? Are we up to or 350 million? million? Wait, no. To 22 million-ish people? Yeah. Are, are we up to 350 million? Yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah, so it'd be 35 for 10 and, yeah, roughly. So, yeah, about 22, 22 million Americans do not That's identify easy. as... So there's way more non-furries who would, would identify as other kin if they were given, you know, the definition... That's insane. ...than there are furries. So you could see how... The thing like the furry thing could be attractive because it's like there's so many people yeah. who think of themselves as being part wolf or part eagle or part right. or part duck or part cockroach or whatever they, they do. Huh. So now some of these people consider <clears throat> it to be just a spiritual thing. They're just like, right. in my soul, I am connected to leopards. But other people not. It's more like a physical thing, more like I feel like I am more like blank, right? Yeah. And what percentage of them actually think they are physically different? Like they were born part whatever animal. Okay. Well, then 10%. Good. 10%. Wow. And what percent wish that they were not human of furries? That they were not human? Yeah. At all? Yeah. Oh, jeepers, creepers. 7%. 45. Wait a minute. So there is a segment of them that feel that they are f fully human, but they wish they were not. Right. Wow. Yeah. 
a significant chunk. I'd love to talk to one of those people and just and just yeah. ask them like, so what animal do you wish you were? You know, like yeah. and and. And, and do you rea- I mean, or, do you if realize you snap, that once, yeah. If you snap your fingers, would you, given the intelligence level of that animal. The, the fact that you won't remember that you wanted to not be human right. or who you are or what this is all even about. Right. <laughs> or maybe the way they interpreted that question was they would retain their personality. Oh, that's okay. I guess. <laughs> anyway, uh, what percentage say they would be 0% human if they could? Well, that's basically the same question. That's about 39%. Yeah. What about non-furries? What percentage said they if, you know, they they would be 0% human if they could? Jesus. Okay. Well, yeah, 5%. 10%. No! <laughs> so a lot of people Well, so why is this distressing to you? Cuz I think this is part of where the stigma comes from. It's I, there's something distressing to non-furries to hear about these kinds of I guess I always I always get distressed about lack of logic. And so this sounds completely like, like, I, you know, wish I was completely not human. I, and it's different than, because I don't want to make fun of like, I'm depressed. I don't want to exist. Like, okay, that is not a funny thing. To me, it's funny when you're like, I am this creature, but I wish I was a completely different creature. <laughs> and maybe there's nothing funny, but to me, it sounds funny. Right. So there's something... <laughs> odd about it that really gets people going yeah. and your your reaction was like oh my god 10 percent of people but it's like who gives a fuck what's it's just in their heads sure you know like what is it what's it to you it, you know there are people who walk around in some very weird outfits that we would never wear and we just i just say god bless them they're dressed up in how they want right. to dress well, i guess what it's to me is that it's a very it's a very big misunderstanding about the the nature of their existence to even be able to answer that question and say, yeah, I, and as I'm entitled to talk and converse with you and give opinions, wish I was something that has none of the above. It's just, it's just interesting. It's like, well, one <clears throat> could say that this is similar to trans people, right? But, but the difference with trans people is that they, they are not giving up their humanity at all. But they're giving up their quote-unquote gender, their, their born gender. Yeah, I know, but it's, it's, it, it, they're not going to not remember that. You know, they're not going to not like, you know, have even the ability to appreciate what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just saying that your argument against them is, you know, to, to paraphrase is <laughs> – it's impossible and they don't really know what they want. Well, I, I, I guess I should clarify. It's not even an argument against them. I just find it universally ironic because the only creatures that can even be asked the questions are the only creatures that are advanced enough to, to have that capability. And so it's interesting to me that you would want to swap for anything else. <laughs> And some in my community, uh, I'm guessing, agree with you in that some are proposing that a diagnosis in the DSM be, a, be researched called species identity disorder, which is akin to gender identity disorder. Well, and uh, and I, I definitely want to caution that like, there's a big difference between, hey, man, I just have this crazy, wacky thought every now and then, but it doesn't affect my life. Right. As opposed to like, yeah, I stopped going to work. I've stopped eating. Uh, I, I'm eating grass, even though I can't digest cellulose. 
because I really, I, I want to become a, a pig, you know, or something, you know, like, it's like, okay, okay, now, now we should have a conversation. So I want to add to that one. So if I had a client come to me and say something along those lines, one of the things I'd start assessing for was psychosis. Mm -hmm. To believe that you actually are a pig and to be living your life by eating grass and not fully aware of the fact that, at least biologically, you're not a pig, Right. I would wonder about psychosis. Now, I would also, given the research here, is like, well, I wonder if they're just like really into this. Now, later in this episode, we'll talk about why I think people develop these kinds of proclivities. But just getting to more stats here, what percentage of furries are also bronies? Uh, okay, I would say there's a high correlation, but it's maybe 30%. Close, 24. Okay. What percentage are anime fans? Oh, yeah, 50%. Close, 44. Okay. What percentage are white? <laughs> um, 60%. 90%. 90%. So actually, I'm going to make a very controversial statement. What? You kind of have to be in a privileged class in a part of the world that is privileged during non-war times for this to even be a thing. Perhaps. Because you need the freedom and the free time to be to run out. Run, you've run out of ideas. You're like, okay, I've done everything. I've played, I've skydived, and now... I need to become a furry. <laughs> what percentage? Oh my are, god, I'm going to get a lot of hate. <laughs> what percentage are male? Um, seventy. Eighty. Wow, that's actually even higher than I thought. What percentage are under the age of thirty? Oh, um, under the age of thirty, seventy uh, percent. Yeah, eighty-eight percent. Eighty-eight percent. So the vast, oh, so all higher than I would expect. The vast, vast majority of. It seems, I mean, when you get up to numbers like 90% white yeah. and 80% male and almost 90% below 30, you're looking at like, you go to a, you go to a furry convention and you're just going to see a sea of 23-year-old white guys. Okay. Is there a correlation with uh, homosexuality? So what percentage, so the general pop, uh, uh, general population gay, bisexual, I uh, percentage wise is is what twenty mm, percent no a general population ten percent wow you are from Seattle two percent it, it's close it's between like two and five percent sorry I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about <laughs> I mean you said twenty percent I don't know what I was talking about oh, okay no no you're right I should have thought it through I you're right and I am in an environment where it makes it feel between San Francisco and here it's like yeah everyone is this way right and what percentage of furries identify as gay or bi. Uh, 10%. 20%. Whoa, so that was my original right. bad guess for the general pop. Right. So although most furries are hetero, yeah. uh, they have a much higher rate of right. being gay and bi and trans. Uh, are they more or less or the same left-leaning? Oh, that I would have answered uh, in previous years. I would have said, oh, yeah, yeah, it's like 99% left-leaning. I don't know the percentage, but but what are they more or less? I'd say more left leaning. Yeah, they're more likely. Yeah. What percentage are atheist? Um, sixty percent. Forty four. It's a. I think it's another Seattle thing in your head yeah. right there. What percentage have children? Um, twenty percent. Four percent. Four percent. Okay. 
One, they're so young. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And two, and they're busy being furries. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, how many are in relationships? What percentage? Uh, I'll be generous. Fifty percent. Yeah. Which is probably similar to general pop of that age. And what percentage of of those people in relationships are in a relationship with another furry? Oh, seventy percent. Good, seventy six. So. There's a lot of, you know, cross-pollination between couples mm-hmm. happening. Do they have to be pollination? So with cons, conventions, do you know the names of the biggest furry conventions? Furry con. Uh, nope. <laughs> uh, well, one, they got kind of close to one. Uh, fur con. <laughs> uh, Midwest Fur Fest. <laughs> okay. Uh, how many people do you think go... So to give you a, some comparison... You know, PAX Prime in Seattle has about 70,000 attendees. Okay. Comic-Con in New York City has about 130,000. Uh, Midwest Fur Fest is the largest with how many people? Uh, 10,000. Ooh, good. 11,000. Okay. And then Anthrocon is the second largest. Anthrocon? Seven, only 7,000. So it's the second largest one. So a, a big... Uh, some of the terminology I had to get into is they will often use the term anthropomorphize oh or i see of anthrop- course, anthropomorphic okay so right. they're they're applying human ca- more to my point they're applying human characteristics to non-human entities <laughs> what what's the point well that's that's my point is like you can only get these behaviors if you are human you can't get them if you're anything else yeah uh all right well let's take a break and we get back let's talk about the psychology what do you say let's do it All right, we're back from the break. If your furry persona, persona, the gorilla, were to compel the listeners to become a patron, what would the persona say? Number one, I like bananas. Number two, I like breaking down bamboo trees. Number three, you donate. Where I pull arms out like Chewbacca. <laughs> Wait, now the gorilla is has a persona that it's yes, he's a, a chewy sona. <laughs> Why wouldn't a gorilla? Don't you think if you're a gorilla and you see like this extra tall and light haired gorilla dude with, with a like laser gun, a bandolier and a laser gun, you're like, ooh, that's different. Yeah. That looks like my orangutan cousin, but you know, not related. So. You know, it it's always bothered me, and I hate to admit it, but like a crossbow laser gun, <laughs> one, two, no one else in that universe uses a crossbow laser gun. Uh, uh, three, that gun, for some reason, oh, is like a hundred times more powerful than any other blaster. Well, it is in the new movies. Yeah. Was it always that way? Oh, no. Maybe not. I think yeah. in four, five, six, it was just. But you're a, right. What is crossbowing about it? Yeah. I mean, they put these little balls at the end of the yeah. thing to make it look like maybe there's like. Maybe a, it's focusing the laser beams more. Yeah. I just think, you know, it just shows how easily if a number of those things would have piled up yeah. in George Lucas's decision making, right. how bad those first right. movies could have been. Right, right, right. You know? Because, <laughs> like, just point to, like, crossbow. Okay, so he'll, he'll have a crossbow. A yeah. crossbow. Anyway, so the psychology of furries, let's talk about it here. 
So, um, now, the bottom line, so uh, what's the bottom line, the topic sentence of why people, you know, involve themselves in the furry community? What, what would be the bottom line do you think I would say? White privilege. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, uh, wanting to belong to a group. Uh, that's a good guess. The bottom line actually is we have no freaking idea. Okay. <laughs> because we don't know why anyone does anything, really. We can only look for associations and... and well, we know why they do some stuff, like breathe. Right. Eat, but But you don't know sleep. why people vote the way they do or why people dress the way they do or why people murder people or why people... Eat, you know, not at the individual level, but at the group level, we can make a lot of approximations. No, we can't. We can name one thing along those lines. That you well, could... We can approximate why people dress the way they dress. Approximate is a very funny word. Well, sure, but we can say why do people wear pants? Well, why do men wear pants versus women wear skirts? Well, we can make approximations about those approximations for sure, sure. sure. But I mean, I, like I'm saying, we can't say why Sally today wore a skirt exactly. But we can say why women in general wear skirts and men in general wear pants. No, we can't. So we can well, make a I statement. We can make a statement. Anyone who knows anything about us, and this is, and I think this is important to point out, not for this episode, but for all episodes. Why is the moon going around the earth? You're asking me? Yeah. Well, because the motion was established such that it was trying to escape and it's, and the gravity between the two pulled it back into orbit. Right. And there's general relativity in there as well, and yeah. gravity wells and blah, blah, blah. And there's even quantum physics in there at some level. But there are scientific measurements that you can repeat over and over and over again. You can look at other bodies in the heavens and see that they operate in exactly the same way, given the mass yep. and the velocity, the, the distance from the you know orbiting yep. body. There are, uh, you know, just countless upon countless measurements, precision down to like point yep. zero 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 one percent. They can predict the motion and the mass and blah, blah. When it comes to measuring human beings and their behavior, we have nothing like that. There's nothing like that where you can point to a thing and say, this is why. We have models for understanding people. We have models for understanding we have models for making potential predictions, but you can't point at a, you know, you can point. So let's say we look at another solar system through the galaxy and we see a star and we see a planet and we can measure somehow by, you know, transit method, the velocity of the planet, the distance of the planet from that sun. And we can predict down to like, you know, 0.0001% accuracy how fast that thing is moving around that star, right? Yeah, but the, the but you can't you can't point to Sally across the street and say, I know exactly what outfit she's going to wear tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But again, <clears throat> so the degrees of freedom of the examples you're giving at the macro level are teeny, teeny insignificant right. compared to the... But at the same time... That's the point. But you're wearing a, a t-shirt with a Millennium Falcon on it. Yeah. Someone predicted pretty well that if they made a whole bunch of those, they would sell t-shirts. And this happens all the time. Now, some people make bad predictions, but marketers make a living out do you of know figuring how many out people, how to market. Do you know how, for every one of the shirt that I have on right now, do you know how many people thought they had predicted correctly in marketing a t-shirt and failed? Yeah, but... but That's backwards <clears throat> statistics. No, 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 no. Actually, I would say that based on the capitalistic growth of this country in the last hundred years, excusing for abuses... 
actually, I would say that most people end up predicting fairly well over the large scale what most people want. Most people, okay, so let's, even if that's correct, which it's not necessarily true, predicting economies is hard. One, yeah, but I'm not saying like you're like, I'm betting on the stock market. I'm saying that at a macro level, people are like, one person's like, I'm going to establish a restaurant. Okay, they fail, but 10 others don't. And then in a hundred years, we look at the capitalist growth and it's like, yeah, actually people have made money. Okay, maybe we're not arguing about the same thing. We might not. My point is that when we ask a question, why is someone a furry? Sure. We have no scientific way of answering that question. There is no precise, anywhere near, forget like 10-digit precision. You can't give a number about it. You don't even know what you're looking <clears throat> at. There, sure. You know, with, with gravity, at least we can point to a thing in the sky and say, that thing is rotating around this other thing. Well, but when we're pointing yeah. at a person in a furry suit, we're, I don't even know what I'm pointing. Are we pointing at their brain? Are we pointing at a part of their yeah, brain? Yeah, but 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 to poke a hole in this train of thinking is if you rewind the clock, say a thousand years, same was true for all the examples you gave. It was even worse. Yeah, it was even worse. We had it so wrong. How does that poke a hole in what I'm saying? Because someone had to start making guesses and then start trying to test things and so we can make educated guesses and try to test them and fail because we have no technology to well, test that. but we can keep trying we can keep, why does how does that poke a hole is how does me how does me saying we don't know the answer say that we shouldn't try okay because i i feel you just don't I like me feel, shutting down you making a hypothesis no 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 i often feel that the implication is we might as well give up that's not the implication but that's how i feel well that's that and that's, you didn't predict my behavior. Properly. Well, and that's what I think a lot of people do in our society. They're they're just like, so wait, like we don't know anything. Like, well, we should just give up. I'm like, how how did you get there? How did you get from we? You know, a thousand years ago when they were looking up at the skies and they're you know Galileo's great great grandfather or something is talking to his friend, and they're like, well. You know, I don't know. It's like, did God put it there? Or maybe, maybe there's another explanation. Well, we don't know. Well, we should just give up. Like, how, like, that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like, we should know where we're at. That Galileo's great, great grandfather should know that they don't have the telescope to look. They don't know. They don't have the answers. Maybe sure. one day we will, and we should strive. We should try to figure out how to answer okay. questions. So again, and this is probably a projection or a, a projected projection, in fact, <laughs> um, I sometimes feel that that this leads us down a path of like, it's because it's so mystical, that humans are so mystical that we can't even begin to crack the problem. But we have this problem with ants, right? Like we don't really have a, well, just a stop science right of ants. Just because we don't understand when, and exactly, Galileo's great-great-grandfather looks up at the sky and says, you know, I can't explain why those things are doing what they're doing. Right. Now, one could make the mystical argument and say, well, it's God yeah. or magic. Or you can just say, we just don't have the technology to answer that scientifically yet. And that's where we're at when it comes to psychology and human behavior. We're just not at the point where we can answer those questions yet. We can make some macro level, you know, tentative, suggestive, you know, like yeah. predictions, and we can make you know, pretty good. Like I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get into various different speculation that I like, yep. but I just have to couch it in the fact that there, it's not like pointing at the moon and saying, I know why the moon's going around the earth. It's me making some guesses that come from my cultural clearing in the wilderness 
that come from my own bias, that come from what fits well with me, and I have no way of measuring it. And particularly because the psych- psychological community hasn't looked into this yet because it's relatively new in our culture, and I'm guessing not a lot of people are super interested in researching it. So anyway. Um, all right. So the bottom line is we don't really know, but we can make some speculations, and let's get into that. So what are some speculations, bro? Like, why are people furries? You said one, friends. Is that what you said? Yeah. Um, I think that in the uh, postmodern 20th century, and certainly in the 21st century, there was a sense in which sort of it was it started becoming okay to question fundamental assumptions about who you are and what your place is. Um, and therefore, it became... you know, just on a bell curve, it became possible for some percentage of people who probably would have had the same questions 2000 years ago to be like, oh, not only do I have these weird, vague notions in my mind, but I can probably actually do something about it. Like I could actually dress up in a weird way. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, Particularly when you look at those stats about how non-furries, so many of them think of themselves as not being entirely human. Yeah, And you're like, Oh, maybe this is something that, is, and we need more research into yeah. this. It's limited in terms of stuff that I looked at, but maybe this is something that's universal across yeah. all cultures. Yeah. Like, what if? What if? Again, I mean, actually, we don't even have to. What if? Right? Like, we just have to know that in all those paintings in, in from four hundred years ago and stuff like that, people dressed up in all sorts of weird things that we think are weird today, well, wigs, etc. Right? Well, and also there are certain analogies, and I I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but it sure seems similar to me is you have Native Americans dancing around a fire right. with, with chicken outfits on right. or wolf outfits. Or right. you have people in Japan in paganistic notions mm. of these animal spirits yep. and stuff that show up in a lot of anime and also like Miyazaki and stuff. Or you hear about um, people looking up into the sky and seeing like the bear, you know, in Greek mythology about how Zeus would become a bear and these different trend and werewolves and, yep. and all these other kinds of, there's so many different, when you, as I was thinking about this, I was like, wow, there are so many different cultural markers across the globe that I can point to of this transition zone between humans and animals. Right. And That's spirits fair. being in animals and humans, you know, like J.R. Martin, you know, George R. R. Martin, he, uh, one of the things that's in the books that's not in the TV shows is that all the Starks can warg. Right. And there's even speculation that even uh, Sandor Clegane can warg into dogs. Oh, That's why he's called the Hound. Oh. I mean, not because people, there's just some connection there. Yeah, but, yeah. but definitely, you know, Rickon, Arya. So warging is a thing. They all can warg into their dogs. Yeah. And so, and the warging into the dog is not just one directional. Like mm. the more you warg into the to the direwolf, the more you're a direwolf. <laughs> the more you start adopting direwolf characteristics, the more the, or whatever personality the direwolf had. Right. And the way George Martin writes, it, it, it's subtle, but you start to actually see that where Bran, upon waking, has a as you know he's a kid and he's working into his his dog, he has these feelings of wanting to eat raw meat and wanting to like mm. chase something down, even though that's not him. That's that, right. That's the wolf. And so anyway, there's just so many different examples of it. So, so why- and it, it, sorry. And it, it makes sense at a primitive level, b- 
before there, way the f before there was any sort of understanding about you know human intelligence or IQ or language development, any of that stuff.、Uh, it was probably important. Well, actually, we know that it's important for an animal, not a human, just any animal. It's important for an animal to assume things about their surroundings, even if those things are not accurate. They have to assume things because otherwise they die. So, for example, if there's movement,、uh, if if you're not a predator, or probably even if you are a predator, you have to assume there's probably problems. Yeah,、like、you probably need to start fleeing or doing something.、Uh, even though it's like maybe ninety nine thousand times out of a hundred thousand, there's not. But okay, so that's a thing. So then all of a sudden you have these creatures that have the ability to start introspecting and being like, oh, I'm like this creature and stuff. So it probably becomes important. Or it, or maybe it's just a side effect that when you see things that are not you, you still have you still give them those human traits. You're like, yeah, I mean, the rock probably is thinking weird things about me, and that that frog is probably thinking how how should it kill me, and and you probably attribute language and and things in your head, and so all these little stories start developing about the the frog said to the snake, blah 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 blah, and and then you develop kind of this kinship with the world and the and the animals because as far as you know. They're thinking thoughts too, not just like you are, just in a different language, and so then it becomes kind of pretty natural from there to be like, yeah, I can identify with that leopard. That's a strong animal. Look at those claws. Look at those things. Yeah,、you、we、know? we have such a strong need, for whatever reason, universal across all cultures, to imbue human personalities、right. into things that it goes way beyond living creatures. Right. It goes to. Wilson in Castaway. Yeah, they they've done experiments like this where they will take they 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 you know so they'll take like a like a face that is a cartoon face, and they will、uh, you know do something bad to、yeah. the cartoon. You know they'll hit the cartoon face over with a hammer,、yeah. and the participants, the subjects in the research, they'll they'll feel bad about it. You know they'll、right. like they'll say things like don't. There was, don't Do that. Well, they'll even do one where they'll they'll say, "Okay, here's a hammer, and I want you to hit that nut, you know, that、yeah. acorn." And so they hit the acorn. Yeah. And they're like, "And here is a is a inanimate、uh, stuffed teddy teddy bear. I want you to hit the teddy bear over the head with the hammer." Right. And the the participants, adults and kids alike, will just be like,、um, "No." <laughs> yeah. So so there's certain people that they'll be like,、um, "I need you to hit hit." I no, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to do, do that. Yeah. And it's like. How and the why? Yeah, you know, even if and they even will do incentives like if you don't hit that teddy bear over the head with that hammer, I'm not going to give you the money that we promised you. Right, <laughs> and the people are just like, I don't care. There's not, there's no amount of money that's going to. And then they, so that kind of makes sense. We can all kind of relate to that. But then they, they try to reduce that, that thing down as much as we can to like. Then they just have like the head. Yeah, and then they take the fur off. And then、just、they take <laughs> they take the mouths off, and they found it. I think I can't remember what they reduced it down to, but it was just like if if it was just a circle with eyes, yeah, you didn't want to hit it over. Yeah, yeah. But if it was just a circle, you could you're hit fine.、It. But if it has circle with <laughs> eyes, right? And, and I mean, so you could imagine how the the functional development was simply that out of trial and error, beings that tended to not. Just fully murder each other all the time. Survived more often,、right. and so then slowly but surely, you're like, okay, if that thing sort of resembles me in whatever minimal way, I'm not even going to bother, or I'm not even going to risk 
hurting right. it. <laughs> which which illuminates the fact that our morality isn't a cognitive thing entirely. Right. It's something that's deeply ingrained in us. And even though our cognitive mind is like that circle with two eyes is is nothing. It's it's right. nothing. It doesn't matter. It doesn't feel. But I can't help in my bones feeling right. bad if I hit it over the head. And that's a great uh, sort of really strong counterexample. You know, there's this claim that some folk make that uh, if you give up the belief in God, um, in any God, but they'll they'll do that as a salvo because they really want their God, but any God, uh, y- you will just as well and or probably become a nihilistic criminal, you know, doing whatever you want and murdering for, because why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? That's kind of the, the claim. And number one, there's certainly no evidence for that. But number two, this type of experiment is certainly great counter evidence because in no belief system that I've heard, like the Bible or maybe there are some, uh, maybe more native ones or something. Protect but I've never heard, with yeah, us. Yeah, like, exactly. I've never heard like, listen, even if it looks sort of human, you better not hit it with a hammer. Yeah. Like that's not a thing. <laughs> right. right. It, it's something deep, <laughs> in, deeply ingrained in us. And we see it across many other animal yeah. species. Yeah. This notion of fairness and of not harming other things is really quite common to others. And it only makes sense evolutionarily. Like, meaning, I'm not saying that's the only way it could make sense. I'm saying it makes a lot of sense if you think in this term. So in getting back to your point, and then we'll move on back to the furry stuff, is that our brains are just bags of meat. That that is, you know, it's just like a steak. (laughs) Or it's... A well-cooked steak. It's like slightly congealed pudding. And it doesn't have circuitry the way a computer does it can't be like if then it has to have these pretty broad systems that don't have a lot of precision and one of them like you said is like those who who evolved to see faces with eyes as good things that they don't want to hurt yeah uh generally survived yeah um those that were really like dis does is that a real face yeah <laughs> You know, probably had at least just a second less of empathy response <laughs> right. that mean that meant they didn't survive. And so, and plus, like, what does it hurt to have you? Right. That's the other thing is evolution is lazy, right? It's lazy by de- not even by design, just out of the mathematical probabilities, right? right. So therefore, it's not going to over-engineer the thing. Right. Two hundred thousand years ago, there wasn't some thing walking around with that was a circle with yeah. eyes that you needed to not have empathy right. for. Hence why the color distinguishing problems we have, hence why the perception problems, all those things didn't need to be designed, didn't right. need to evolve. Yeah, hence the fact we die soon yes. after we can't reproduce. Exactly. And, you know, yeah. So um, other speculation that I thought of, number one is, I think most people probably feel different from the mainstream in general for one reason or another. You're 16 years old mm. and you're looking at the world and you're just like, I don't feel like I'm mainstream. Like I don't fit. I don't fit into like the jock or the cheerleader. I'm mm. There's something different about me. And I think that there are a number of different avenues for people. I mean, I don't know about you, but I felt that way when I was young. I I, <sighs> I felt that way when I was like, Really young. And I yeah. I think it probably had to do with me being like one of the only non-white kids in my entire, you know, <laughs> town. Uh, but it could have been something else. I don't know. So I absolutely felt that my entire life. But one 
interesting little twist with it is that, or maybe a side effect is I hated scenes and group identity. So like, I didn't want to be a grunge kid or a straight edge kid. I didn't even really want to be a, a, certainly not a goth, but not even a new wave kid, even though that was kind of my favorite kind of music. You know, I just wanted to like those things and have my friends, but I definitely felt like, so it was kind of a push pull. I was like, I don't feel I belong in that group. I don't feel I belong in that group. That's interesting because I I think maybe by the, because you're four years younger than me and maybe it was a little different. Eh, Probably not. For me, when I, when I grew up, there were, there was basically only three groups. You had the regular people, which you might consider like jocks, but we didn't, our, our jocks slash cheerleaders, like the girls who were popular were also jocks. A lot of them were soccer players. And so, there was just a lot of real casual sport dress, mm. like your Letterman's jacket sure, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And so that, that was pretty mainstream. And I could definitely fit into that as being that I was a jock right. in a lot of ways. And then you had like the metal guys who... Oh, metal. I forgot that scene. Right. Who wore like Iron Maiden stuff. Yeah. And I definitely wasn't in that crowd because I didn't like metal and s- still don't really. Um, I mean, there's certain metal that I like, but, you know... Yeah, like Slipknot and stuff. It's like, <laughs> but um, and then there was this like, uh, what we what we call the pajama pants guys, or because they what? were like they were like preppy, I guess you would call. Okay, I don't know what you call, but oh, therefore that at night they would probably wear pajama pants. No, no, they they would go to the mall and buy these expensive pants that look like pajamas to us. What? But they weren't really pajamas. They were just like fancy slacks. Oh, okay. You know, fancy, like, noise, huh. noisy 80 slacks. Oh, okay. And um, so, uh, and then there wasn't really goth yet. There there, oh, okay. there were very few people who were into kind of that gothy thing, but they weren't really, you know yeah. what I mean? So, anyway, um, people associate huh. 80s with goth, but, like, actually, like, the most goth person I had seen in the movies in the 80s was the girl in Breakfast Club, the weird, mm. the weird girl. Remember the weird yeah, girl? Yeah, yeah, totally. But she wasn't, she didn't, she just kind of wore black. Yeah. But she was really weird. Yeah. Anyway, the point is, is that I feel like a lot of people growing up feel like they're not really mainstream and they're like, okay, where, who are my people? Yeah. And if you're, if you also have this, uh, you know, affinity towards animals and your own identity or anime or furry things, right? I could see you very quickly getting kind of, attracted to that to that world because mm-hmm. it starts online because there's a whole furry system online but it easily could just be dungeons and dragons or or punk rock or or metal or goth or um you know all those other kinds of uh subcultures right, right? now if you're gay or bi or trans then you might even feel like you're more not mainstream which is mm, maybe right. another attraction to this um number two is i'm guessing some people have social anxiety I, oh, I can't remember. this is a way to armor up. Right. So I can't remember where I heard this, if it was on a podcast or someone was telling me in person, that's how much I listen to podcasts. I can't differentiate between conversations <laughs> and podcasts I listen to. Um, oh, by the way, I have a new favorite podcast. Oh. It's Conan O'Brien's uh, podcast. What? He's got, is this a new podcast? No, it's been out for a long time, but for whatever okay. reason, I didn't know about it. And I've just been binging the <laughs> like the th- thirty five episodes. Is it him and Andy, or just him? Or? No, what he does. The premise is he's looking for a for a friend, 
And so he has a lot of famous people that he's known over the years as guests on his show. And he's like, will you be my friend? Oh, I see. I thought he was looking for a long lost friend. He's looking for a new friend. Yeah. Okay. And it's really well produced. And Conan O'Brien is, I mean, I love him and, and all his, uh, you know, every, I've been watching him ever since the beginning. And yeah. I feel like he's just become more and more funny as he's gone. He's so awesome. And yeah. that, the, the, the when he travels and like he's he was in Australia recently and did a bunch of see I've never seen any of that it's stuff. it's all on YouTube you can oh. it's all all the clip that's where I watch it is on YouTube oh man I'm missing out I I love Conan right? yeah I mean it's he went to Cuba I gotta listen to this podcast this might be the the first podcast I listened to in a while yeah so he you know he he you know he did an episode with Jimmy Kimmel and with Dak Shepard and you know nice and some and some of the episodes are better than others but some of them are just like hilarious i mean the the ability for conan o'brien to just riff and the other thing i realized about conan o'brien that i like is that he seems kind of woke even though he doesn't really speak that way like i'll notice some of the comedians with him will make certain jokes that are like i think he was talking to kevin hart if i'm not mistaken and i can't remember who he was talking to oh he was talking to Bill Burr. Mm -hmm. So he had Bill Burr on his podcast. And you know, Bill Burr, no, not Bill Burr. Bill Burr is the very offensive guy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, the other guy, the other Irish. Bill Maher. No, maybe it was Bill Burr. Someone like, it's either Bill Burr or someone like Bill Burr. Okay. Where, you know, he is, he's a man's man. And yeah, he, yeah. Yeah. My wife, you know, she'll just yeah, nag at me Burr, right? when I get home. Okay. Yeah. And so they're talking and uh, it's awkward because Conan O'Brien is like, in his head, I can tell he doesn't want to go along with this joke. <laughs> like, there's a way of, there's a Jimmy Fallon way of doing yes. this where you just sort of like, oh, let's change That's subject. That's crazy. Yeah. Where, but Conan O'Brien's like, um, wow, you're pretty stuck in the past, you know? <laughs> but he makes a joke about it. You yeah. know what I mean? He just, he doesn't like hammer. He's just like, wow, I'm not going to go along with that one. Like, it yeah. seems like you're kind of still messed up in the head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, he, he can't help but to say, right. Geez, that's pretty regressive. Yeah. And, and I never, because you don't see that in a show. You don't see Conan O'Brien having those kinds of challenges. I mean, certainly there's a lot of things you can point to what Conan O'Brien does that I'm sure yeah. is a little regressive, but um, the way he treats his assistant is sometimes a little cringeworthy. But um, anyway, I, I through this podcast, I've come to think, wow, he actually, coming from where he came from, mm -hmm. it's pretty amazing that he is that progressive right. in his thinking anyway and he does it with such ease like he's not preachy about it mm -hmm. he doesn't he, he doesn't make it unfunny he always right. finds a way to talk that is interesting i don't know i really i just have a lot he of doesn't give up the higher ground yeah so anyway i think some people have social anxiety and they uh, so i was listening i don't know if this is a podcast or a conversation but someone was saying that their whole life they were socially anxious and they always felt out of place and they were super shy and never said anything. And then uh -huh. for some reason they ended up having to be a mascot for a football team or something. <laughs> I think this was a podcast. And they put on the furry costume for the mascot uh -huh. and th he said, I instantly felt okay. <gasps> Weird. I put on that costume and I could go out on the field and do all these crazy things. I'd walk up to the opposing oh team's coach and I'd spank him and I'd I'd do sexual things with the cheerleaders and it, every the That's crowd crazy. the crowd was going wild and then I'd go home and I'd take off the suit and 
I'd go back to my shy self. That's fascinating. But I can totally, I can totally see this. Like you put on a mask. I mean, have you ever had that experience? No, no, dude. For me, it's the opposite. Mm. This is why. Have you seen me wear a mask for more than like a second during Halloween? Well, I have seen you with like jar- the Jar Jar. Yeah. Okay. I instantly, first of all, I instantly get claustrophobic. But beyond <laughs> that, I actually, and maybe it's because I'm an extrovert. I don't know. But as soon as I cover up, I actually feel super self-conscious. It's really weird. Yeah. Like I'm like I can't be myself. No one can see me. I this is bizarre. Yeah, I mean, because I'm guessing people you know, people can't see your face and therefore you don't know if you're communicating effectively. Yeah, probably. And also, you don't know what your face is conveying because your yeah. face has like this permanent emotional expression. Right. Here. And so, yeah, that's an interesting uh, litmus test as to how maybe extroverted you are or something. Like, would you rather have a mask on right. your head all party or not on or your not. head? And I'm okay, like, so now modifiers, like, you know, a little hat or uh, whiskers drawn or something like that, I'm, I'm, I'm all game for it. But something that fully covers me, I'm like, ugh. Yeah. Even, and, and not only the face, also like a suit, the idea of a suit. And it, I, I, I swear it also has something to do with claustrophobia because I'm like, ah, get me out of this thing. Yeah. Uh, I was at an auction um, last weekend where I was helping people as they were coming in to register. And it's really interesting. You can really tell right away who is sort of easy to improv with or easy to just kind of strike up a conversation and who is very guarded. Because as they come in, I would inevitably say little jokes like, Ooh, it looks like your credit card's been declined or, you know, things like this. Or, um, oh, it doesn't look like we have you in the system. Yeah. And some people will just be like, really? And you're like, no, I'm just joking. And they're like, oh. Oh, right. <laughs> so I got all the spectrum of, of reactions, right? So some people were like, ha, 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 you know, like some people were what you just said. Other people almost made no reaction, yeah. you know, and they almost didn't want to interact at all. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> which, which in some, in, in, you know, contexts, it's like, Come on, pal, just give me my goddamn registration. But you're going to an auction, which is almost always pretty gregarious. It was also themed. It was a, a themed auction where they had to kind of dress up and stuff. Yeah. Speak of furries. <laughs> right. Number three reason that I can think of is that some people have retained their magical thinking from growing up. The anonymous patron mentioned something about this is that, uh, you know, she said something like, some of those, well, let me let's see what she said exactly. Um, some of these people have are very fantasy prone, and it feels like you know that they're themselves finally when they do that. And mm. I think that you know, one of the things that I've noticed in people is you won't it won't be apparent like oh that person's very magical thinking, but you'll see the symptoms like believing in. You know, I won't go down this road, but certain belief systems in our culture are much more magical, sure, in a sense. Like, <laughs> well, I will say it. So, astrology, for example, sure, astrology that one's real, but there are others. <laughs> yeah. Now, whether or not you believe in it, whatever. The point is, is that, or even just fanatic uh, religion, Christianity, sure. to. Not even fanatic, but just like certain ideals or ideas yeah. with I'm really having a hard time. Yeah. But anyway, like the belief in like angels and demons walking sure. around among us. There, there's a certain, 
way of thinking about that, that for some people who retain a magical thinking uh, paradigm, right, they are much more likely to believe in those kinds of things. Now, when you meet them, you won't go, oh, they're very magical thinking. When you, when you meet them, they'll just have these other points of view that may or may not agree with yours. Yeah. Now, for some people, this magical thinking is a quirk. It's just something that is just something about them, personality trait. But sometimes we can actually point to arrested development and trauma and uh, having going having gone through mistreatment early in life where a certain certain processes of your early personality at the age of three, four, or five are retained. Mm. All three, four, five-year-olds are magical thinkers. Right. They think they can, lit- especially like three-year-olds, who they, they literally think that the world operates in this magical way because they right. just don't understand. They don't understand how physics works. Yeah. To, to them, the fact that you can get into a car and go to work and... That's c- magic. And that in the, you can go into a store and buy something or that... A uh, someone can buy you a dog, you know. Right. The, it, it to them, it 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 seems magical. It's to all you. magic, and so they, yeah, they they think you know Santa Claus is real, and yes. and I can actually fly if I think so, or I'm actually Princess Ella, yeah, because that's who I am right now, yeah. And so when you have some interruptions in your development at that time, you can kind of retain a little bit of that into adulthood, but it won't look the same at all. So right. you can imagine if you still retain that, you'd still have this magical way of thinking about animals and your and your personality and that kind of and thing. And man, kids can get really upset if you challenge their magic. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Even yeah. older kids too, like, I don't know how old, but where where you're saying, well, you know, you're not really, oh my gosh, it can be, Yeah, you can be at war. <laughs> right. Also, um, another thing that I thought of just now that is now leaving me is, is how people forget things all the time. <laughs> it, so it had to do with going through uh, difficulties early in life. Oh, so when you go through difficulties early in life, you develop a need to escape, to mm. dissociate in the you know minor way. And and you develop a fantasy life where you kind of go inward and you think about all these happy times. Right. And if your home life wasn't very good, you could imagine that uh, for some of those people, they might be attracted to the, to the furry lifestyle. Now, I'm not pathologizing the furry lifestyle. Uh, most people have gone through mistreatment in life. Most people have to have some way of coping with yeah. that mistreatment. I'm just saying maybe for some people it resonates that, uh, that the narrative that because they went through the mistreatment, it led to certain personality traits that led them to enjoy the furry lifestyle. Um, uh, also, so so here's another thing that I thought of that I didn't see any evidence of, but I just seem like, and if, if you're a furry out there, please let me know. I could see of the few psychopaths that are out there in the world, Mm-hmm. I could see them maybe being attracted to the fursuits because they can hide behind these masks and exploit other people. Oh. Now, I didn't see any um, reports of that or anything, but I, I don't know. I just, I just thought... Like, I actually, again, I would feel... I would bet the opposite. Like, that would call too much attention or something. But imagine you're at a furry convention and you're a psychopath... And you're yeah. in a mask. All right. I know. Sure. Just like in any distribution of people, there's probably. Right. But I'm saying, 
I would be surprised if there was a special affinity there. Right. Totally. Yeah. Um, also, it's like there's plenty of other venues you can yeah. uh, exploit people where yeah. you don't have to pay $5,000 for a suit. <laughs> the, other, the last thing is, is that uh, Japan and its culture has really spread around the world. Oh, right. And Japan has always, or for a long time, had this culture of cuteness that is way right. beyond anything Americans could ever dream of. Is it, and is, is it also like South Korea now? And was it always the case or was it spread? Or Well, Japan occupied, some of my ancestors actually occupied South Korea. Okay. So South Korea and Korea, you know, in general, um, has a lot of, has retained a lot of Japanese culture. Okay. I, I can't really speak with authority about about Korea. Obviously, Korea and Japan are so close. Yeah. But I definitely do know that Japan, for a long time, has had this extreme saturation of of cute, cute of cute culture. That yeah. when we look at it, we we you know we're all used to in our culture with five year old girls into cute things, yeah. or thirteen year old girls into cute things. Like Hello Kitty is yeah. the is the prime example. Well, in Japan, everyone is into cute things. Yeah, uh, men and women, grandma, grandpa, everybody. Now it is skewed more towards women and more towards young people. Yeah, but in the same way that a forty five, you know, of among forty five year old uh, men, a certain percentage of them will like Hello Kitty. Well a much larger percentage of 45-year-old men in Japan like Hello Kitty. Right. And so... Oh, the, and then the, the degree of cuteness is also way higher. Way like higher. Here, you know, you, t- you have a little smile, a little twinkle in the eye, maybe a little pink bow on the head. There it's like 50 pink bows on one side of the head right. and 20 glitter glosses on the eye. And <laughs> Right. It, it is over the top compared to our right. sensibilities. And... This furry culture is cute. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you have. Have you seen pictures of actual furry conventions? I don't think so. So when I thought, so before looking into this, when I thought of furries, I thought of like what I think was were actually pranksters who, you know, there used to be these oh, YouTube okay. videos where those guys would run around in those. Oh, sure. Like jackass people. Yeah. And yeah. they would, they would tackle people. Yeah. That's what I was like. Kind of gross. Yeah. These furry convention people and they're all they're mainly kids they're like 22 yeah. year old kids they they all look cute ah. like that they they have sort of form-fitting uh furry outfits with i see funny you know they'll have like a tuxedo on and they have this funny head and yeah. i mean it is like legitimately it's very non-offensive it's ah. very it's very non-threatening okay and so I'm not hearing anything about sex in all of this. Right. So we'll get to that uh, next. Um, right. So to me, it just seems like play yeah. in the same way that people like to play fantasy football. Right. It's just something or a board game or cards. It's also pretend time like Dungeons & Dragons. It's fun. You, you get friends. You get to meet people. And it's similar to a lot of other things. Okay. So let's get into the sexual thing. So what's the sexual stigma or the stereotype about furries out there i mean i always thought it's true like the only thing i had really heard about furries for a long time was seeing in a few shows or movies where you know someone shows up in a furry costume 
and you know it's to have sex with someone else who didn't realize they were a furry or something like that and that the whole point is that they enjoy having sex in the costumes right where did that come from do you think because after looking into this and i'll cut to the chase here furries aren't any more sexual than anybody else yeah so so when and there's no data because how would you know but from what i can tell it's like you know there are people who do the mile high club for example yeah well, when you see someone with a plane ticket, you you don't go like, oh, <laughs> Mile High Club. They're just like, what? They're like, I'm uh, going I'm, on a flight. I'm just going on a flight. To have sex in the bathroom. I, what? I mean, what? I mean <laughs> some people who get on a plane have sex in the bathroom, but most don't. Most have it in the seat. The main reason for having a plane ticket is to travel. And, you know, or another thing is like, you know, some people have sex in a movie theater. Right. Like occasionally. And so you're like, oh, I'm going to a movie tonight. Oh. <laughs> or like whenever you wanted to have a movie and there would be a punchline about this over-sexualized creep. Right. They would have a movie ticket in his hand. It's like, you know, for us, because right. we go to movies and we know, we'd be like, well, that's dumb because most people don't have sex. Right. Well, I think for uh, for furries, it's the same thing. It's like um, you clearly don't understand the world. Like, well, it'd be like the same if like if you see in a TV show someone dressed up as a Trekkie, it's like, oh, sex freak. Right. <laughs> Do some people role play as Spock and Kirk and have nice. sex? Positively, yes. yes. That's happened probably thousands of times. <laughs> but when you look at a Trekkie, you don't go... Oh, sexy times. It, it's it's this, this weird cultural... I, I wonder what, like, the ground zero was or patient zero was for that joke to be made because it doesn't... Re- I mean, unless there's something attractive about that joke to a fur costume, I mean, what do right. you think? That is really fascinating. I think it's because some... Well, it's probably a couple things, actually. I do remember one handful of 80s movies that had this trope. For example, do you remember oh, Trading Places? Yeah. Right? The gorilla. The gorilla. Okay, so there's that. Then there was the one in the park where they're, they gets tied to a... What movie is that? It's like there's... Oh, it's, it's a very famous, other famous 80s movie. Well, Men at Work. Men at Work, yes. They weren't dressed up as... They just took their oh. clothes off. Okay, fine. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, isn't there something with spies like us when they're dressed like a cow? Isn't there a thing? Oh yeah, right. Yeah. They're just as a cow. Well, I don't know about it was that movie or and then and then Porky's. Even though there's probably no furry stuff in Porky's, it's like named after a pig, and the sign's got like a pig. <laughs> and so, like, I think in the '80s we got indoctrinated. Like, any animal stuff is sexual. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, it could be. So, have you heard of yiffing? No. So yiffing, can you so can you imagine what that is? Yiffing, like from gifts, like no, no yiffing, uh, no. I, so it's a verb to yiff. To yiff, I mean rubbing your animal parts together. No, well maybe it's, <laughs> I guess that's part of it, but it's essential. I don't know how it's used in sentences, but it's essentially when furries have sex. Okay, or when they're asking to have Why? sex. Why? What's the well, it's named after, apparently, after a sound that fox makes, that foxes make. Oh, I was right about the fox. <laughs> so apparently, when, yeah, and maybe even anim- biologists, when they study foxes, oh, they, maybe they even call it yiffing. yiffing. I don't know. 
Um, so Are what, foxes common furry targets? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> what percentage of men and women report viewing furry pornography? Oh, sorry. And by the way, let's not forget about Catwoman. Yeah. You know. All right. Uh, uh, percentage that view furry pornography? Yeah. I don't know. 5%. 96 percent of men come on and 70 percent of women no, no 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 of nor of like average people average furries oh no okay sorry average furries that watch furry pornography yeah oh my bad i thought you meant like normal like every everyone <laughs> okay so out of furries I'll, uh, most of them watch furry pornography yeah okay well then maybe there is something to the sex thing <laughs> <laughs> right well so but that's that's just looking at porn and what do we mean well, by... Well, f- by looking at furry porn. Right. But and the other thing I'm curious about is what is furry porn? Because... Now, to use your earlier analogy, it, you and I love going on trips, but we don't watch airplane porn. We like going to the movies. We don't watch movie porn. But have you ever seen uh, porn on an airplane? Have, I mean, no. have, have you ever <laughs> seen a porn that's depicted on sure, an airplane? Sure, but like one out of okay, a billion. Okay, so if you were asked a question... So that's what I want to know from these surveys because yeah. they're 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 not very specific. Is like if you if they asked you, have yeah. you seen porn? Oh, oh okay, they, sure. Oh, you like to fly in airplanes? Ooh, have you ever looked at porn that's depicted on an airplane? Sure, sure, and you're sure. like, yeah, oh, uh, sexual. Okay, but I I don't know. I mean, that would be a very deceptive way to present that. But but these surveys could be deceptive sure. too. I, anyway, but I think it is actually a thing. I think for some for many furry people. They're, they get it. So it's the same with anime. I consider the furry thing to be very close to anime. So if you're into anime, there's a very good chance that you have at least perused, if not quote unquote used, porn that is anime oriented, either video or pictures. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like a sexy anime character person and you've, you know, whacked yeah. off to it on some level. Yep. And so, uh, to some people, that might sound very strange, like you're whacking off to a cartoon, but anime culture and furry culture is for adults for yeah. the most part. And so anyway, um, what percentage say that sexual attraction is an important part of their furry activity? Okay. Well, then I'm going to go 70%. 37%. Oh, man. Okay. You got some good ones earlier. My hypotheses are being busted up. What hypothesis? I was thinking like if so many of them, maybe this lends some some to the fact that the question wasn't well formed because if 96% of them were like, yeah, watch furry porn, then I would have thought that a lot of them, a lot of them would have been like, yeah, my sexuality is all tied up in this stuff. But like pornography, I mean, just think about people that in the sort of pornography practices that people have. Yeah. Like people will watch, there's a, there's so much pornography out there. People watch a lot of different kinds of porn. Sure. Uh, but when it comes, how many, you know, like for the average person, if you just took all the different categories of porn they look at, how many of those people actually participate or want to participate in those activities out in their real life? I would say like 3% of the porn they look at, they actually want to enact in their real life. You know what I mean? No, I, I get that. That's fair. But th- there is this other difference like – the furry stuff, as we saw earlier in the survey, it's not just about, hey, I kind of like these these cartoons, these comics, whatever. So I'm going to go to this furry comic. I mean, it is, I'm sure, for some percentage of people. But it seems like for some good percentage of them, it is an identity thing, too. 
Right. And so if, for example, let's say you were very into the sports identity of the Seahawks, I wonder, is there a Seahawks or sports porn af- affinity to people that are very into sports? Probably. And I, I'm, I'm curious because... Like, like the cheerleaders, for example. Yeah. I, I wonder. I, I would actually women say... women looking at the men, you know. Yeah, it could be. I mean, how many women masturbated to Michael Jordan? Uh, yeah, it's at least uh, I think I think they published those numbers. It was, it's uh, got to be it's got to <laughs> be high or or who, sure. who's a or uh, Beckham, whatever that guy's sure. name was. Like, how many women masturbated to Beckham? Sure. Like, well, they, yeah, and, and so it's like, and they were sports fans. So again, it's like, but how many of those women who masturbated to Beckham? When you ask them how important is sexuality to your soccer, you know they would have said, I, "Yeah, no, it's not, not important." Yeah, so I've masturbated to Beckham, but I, <laughs> but I love soccer for soccer. I don't love it for sexuality. Now, still thirty some percent, right? Still <laughs> about a third of people. So when you go to a convention, you know, a third of at least a you know about a third of those people are are thinking it's an important part. Now they probably think there's a lot of other important parts, you know. Well, and given that the community is small, relatively speaking. And given the fact that many of them are gay and bi. And know. that there is furry porn, I would anticipate many of them are in the furry porn. <laughs> and when I say gay and bi, what I mean is like, it's it's basically a young men's game. Yeah. And if you're a young gay male, yeah. a furry convention is... A good like, place to go furry. Yeah. What percentage of furries have fantasies about having sex with animals? Um, uh, mm, uh, <laughs> that one took you by surprise. Uh, 2%. 17%. Oh my God. Dude, it's high. just fantasies. It's just, and, all right, all right. All right and a lot right, of non furries right, have right, fantasies. Right. What percentage are sexually aroused by stuffed animals? <laughs> oh God. Oh no. Poor stuffies. Um, 20%. 1%. Oh, good. Wait, actually, that is surprisingly low. <laughs> another revelation in yeah. into Berto's mind um so the the bottom line is that it's probably a little bit more sexualized than other things like Dungeons and Dragons for sure. example but the vast majority of activities are not don't have anything to do with sex and I there's and I didn't see any data or even anecdotal evidence around the sexual deviancy being like a theme mm. within it any more than any other convention. Like you go to a, right. bo- a boating convention, there's going to be a few sexual predators. You go to a technology convention, you're gonna, there's going to be a certain percentage of sexual deviance. Do you think that they sell furry outfits for real dolls? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, like, um, what do you mean, the sex dolls? Or yeah, the oh. real doll sex dolls. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, I guess you could just buy any furry outfit and put it on them, right? Or you just get a giant teddy bear. You just need to cut some holes strategically. So, is there a stigma? What can we point to to say that there's stigma? Yeah, I mean, our reaction, or at least mine, is probably pretty common. Is like, what you're into? What? Um, like I said, media seems to depict them in a specific stigmatized way. And it probably, the stigmas, I'd be like, okay, so you are sort of a kinky, kinky little creature, aren't you? And you probably are into real animals, aren't you? And you, you probably murder a lot. No, just kidding. 
I'm attacking on stuff that doesn't. So I was reading about one guy's account on Reddit, and he was talking about how it was a hundred times easier for him to come out as gay. Wow. So put that in perspective. So he's a gay furry. Oh, my goodness. And his family and friends know he's gay. But he doesn't want to tell him he's a furry. But he doesn't want to tell him that he's a furry. Jeez. That's intense. Yeah. That's pretty sad that us as a culture have created this world where this very small group of people feel like they can't even tell their own parents. Yeah. Because imagine what parents would find when they Google it. (laughs) Cute little phrase. (laughs) And what they find is what we put up there. Yeah. And what we perpetuate and what we allow to be out there. Sure. So just put that in perspective. You can see their parents... They're sitting there in their little bunny and bear outfits, just having had sex. And they're like, oh, is this what he's into? Oh, my gosh. Check this out, Hilda. (laughs) (laughs) So why is there stigma, do you think? Well, I mean, like I said, I think TV shows and movies have uh, used it as punchlines. But why was it a punchline to begin with? Well, I mean, there there is something unusual about a grown person dressed in a cute furry outfit of an animal right and bestiality is a taboo thing and you know right so well particularly the first part you said is that to americans it's weird for adults to dress up in these outfits for japanese people and other cultures it's not it or it's much less so anyway um and so for us we associate all those kinds of things with children and one, to have adults doing it feels weird. Right. I mean, we still have people walking around going like, um, I'm not going to see a Pixar movie. That's a, that's a cartoon. That's yeah. for kids. Right. And I'm just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Pixar movies are the best <laughs> adult, and, and they're made for kids too. Yeah. But these are the best stories that adults should be consuming that have ever been made. Right. And Miyazaki movies. You know, uh, um, the, uh, it's hilariously arbitrary, especially to think that Avenger, oh, Avengers is 90% cartoon, by the way. Right. It's hilarious that it's like these photons that are hearing, hitting my eyeballs, which to most computer systems would be indistinguishable from the other photons, are completely unacceptable as entertainment. Yeah. <laughs> and yet it's like the same stories. Right. But there, there are still people who adhere to that. Yeah. And they're just like, I'm not going to see a cartoon. And I'm just like, man, open your eyes. So I think that's one thing. I also think that, well, I know that we live in a very sex negative culture, mm-hmm. like just a massively just, we like to think, oh, 2019, we got through the 60s where, you know, women's right. lib and sexual liberation. It's like, no, no, no. One, the 80s happened. Yeah. Two, uh, AIDS happened and just yeah. say no and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And or abstinence only, I should right. say. And we still live in an extremely sex negative culture. And so let's just say that furries was a hundred percent about disgusting sex. Right. Let's just say every furry <laughs> they pop that thing on and they just they, go to town. They just go to town on each other. <laughs> they have sex at these conventions, on the floor. Where they have to burn all the outfits at the end. There's just like fluids everywhere. Yes. And it's like, 
who the fuck cares? <laughs> what is it to you that these consenting adults want to have sex in whatever fucking way they want to, in the same way that we look to gay and bi people and be like, why should you judge them? Right. They're just doing what they want to do with consenting people in behind closed doors. They're not bothering you. The furry people aren't bothering you with it. What is it to you? But somehow to us, it's like, well, because it seems, past, you know, cause, which leads me to another uh, reason why we have stigma is for whatever reason in our culture, we decide that certain things are okay to ridicule and certain things aren't. In, right. the, in the past, it was okay to ridicule gay people. Like right. even just 10 years ago, you, I mean, you, we had kids walking around going, and even adults walking around, that's so gay. Yeah. You know, or, ooh, I'm a limp-wristed man. I'm gay. You know, like, it was just, it was, a, just, yeah. you know, up until 10 years ago, that was just, like, common comedic material. We've decided, you know, wisely that that's not okay. Right. But for whatever reason, like, furries are completely up for grabs. Well, I love how, like, hey, where are you going this weekend? Oh, dude, I'm going to go get in this little boat with one paddle on a level five rapids. I, I, I could die. It's going to be great. Wow, that's awesome. What about you, Bob? Oh, I'm going to go jump off of this airplane with this little piece of cloth attached to my back. Oh, man, that's amazing. And you? I'm going to a furry convention. Oh, my God, you're sick in the head. Right. You're so aberrant. Yeah. That's crazy. Because one has something maybe to do with sexuality. <laughs> yeah, it's it's insane. Who in the right mind would do that? Right. Or even <laughs> better yet, um I am going to ride motorcycles in the dunes. Um you know, meaning by implication you're going to like pollute and yeah, yeah. maybe destroy habitats and yeah, yeah. and litter and uh maybe even hurt animals or yourself sure. or something and it's it's like that's oh, fine that's cool, cool. badass good four wheeling yeah. in the dunes i'm gonna go i bought it i have a new ar-15 i'm gonna actually use it this weekend to go hunting i'm gonna go kill oh are you hungry are you starving no no my fridge is full i'm just yeah i'm just going sports yeah. it's called the sport but someone wants to dress up in a furry outfit and like Maybe like think about sexual things. Actually, I'm literally gonna dress up in a furry outfit to <laughs> camouflage myself and while kill. I shoot the animals. Yeah. But yeah. you're going to a furry convention. Yeah. You're sick in the head. Yeah. We live in the dumbest culture that ever lived. I just have to say. I mean, or every culture is stupid. It just fucking aggravates me. You know, you you see the matrix and you're just like, what the fuck, Matrix? What are you doing, people? Like Think logically about this. Why are we making fun of these people? Why do we do this to ourselves? I well, mean, we make up the rules. It's us against us. Why do we, we should be pointing at politicians who don't uh, believe or follow the recommendations of environmentalism because that is going to is currently what did i tell you something like this one stat is like half of the species have already been extinct yep. in the past 50 years because of our activity we are not we should be fucking laughing in the streets we should be made there should be memes about like politicians not sticking up for the environment yeah. not and forget about the environment think about ourselves this is self-preservation even if you don't give a fuck about the animals you don't give a fuck about the temperature we are going to suffer, or our kids. Do you not care about our kids? No, dude. I mean, ah. I know, I know, I hear you, 
but the furries are kind of weird, man. <laughs> I think another thing is fear of the unknown. Yeah. So when people don't know shit, they're like, ew, it's weird, scary. And yeah, those are my reasons. So another uh, thing I found about the stigma was that there are some anecdotes. We need, I'm sure more research will come out about, about this in the future is that some people are even becoming suicidal, probably at least in part due to this stigma. You know, they, they really, so one thing that I haven't really emphasized is for some people in the furry community, this is a minority, I think. This is like very, very important to them. Sure. Like they are like, this is me, man. Like when I think about myself as a fox or whatever, and I put on that fox outfit, I feel like me i feel like i've i'm like trans species essentially i feel like i can't really be i realize i can't be a fox but i have to tell you like in my normal skin walking around i just feel off but when i put on that furry outfit i feel exactly who i am Mm -hmm. and i want to go to work in my furry outfit right i want to get married in my furry outfit i want to talk to my parents in my furry outfit and i and i just want people to like accept it and be okay with it but i know that'll never happen and i can't be myself and that makes me sad and that makes me want to kill myself you know oh, there, there's just certain people that dark. are that are in that situation now that's i think a very small minority of the people but i could imagine well, that happening i okay but th- this is where i was saying earlier where it is a, an important question. At which point does believing something or wanting something that is not properly supported, um, it, it's a really difficult uh, line to draw between pathology versus inevitability. So, for example, you know, who says that it's any easier for your brain to switch gears about this topic than it would be about, like you were saying, wanting to be male or female or about wanting to be thin or fat or about wanting to eat meat or not meat or whatever, right? It, it might be just as hard or harder for your brain, for you to switch your brain's gears about it. It could be like depression. Like if you're depressed, you're depressed, right? Uh, but in in many cases, uh, it seems like we say, "Hey, you know, things are fine. You can you can have mental models and things." But when those start really making it very difficult for you to live your life in a productive, uh, healthy way, then maybe we pathologize it. But but where is that line when when society is doing the pathologizing? <laughs> I'll tell you where the line is. When I can blame it entirely on society, it has nothing to do with the individual. If if we lived in a in a society where being Umberto, however you like to be, whatever aspect we want to point to, the fact that you like to wear socks, the fact that you like to talk on a podcast has been identified arbitrarily as pathology or abnormal or, you know, at the end of the bell curve. To me, like, that's not okay, right? And so when I can look at a furry person and I can be like, what harm does it do? Now we can look well, to psych- we can look at a psychopath and sadists. You know they get pleasure from, and even if they are quote unquote born that way, they get pleasure from harming other people. Yeah, um, I- I'm okay with pathologizing that one. Okay, but so, it, and again, this is where the hot water, of course, starts. But um, I'm going to be sympathetic and say something extremely controversial, but be super sympathetic to this notion. 
if you rewind the clock, say 50 years, certainly 100 years, but let's say 50 years, and you're in a business meeting with suits, everyone's got their suit and everyone's a man because there's no women in business and this is how it is. It's horrible, right? It's a, by today's standards, but that's how it is. And all of a sudden, the new hire comes in and it is a transvestite wearing sort of like uh, a female dress, but their body is clearly male. And it's very obvious that this this doesn't fit in this, right? Mm-hmm. I actually would 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 totally empathize with, of course, they're going to feel terrible and that sucks, but I would empathize with the other, say, 12 board members going, oh. I can't work like yeah, this. I, well, I empathize with it, right? but it takes three seconds of thought to say, this has no bearing on us. No, it doesn't take three seconds of thought for, for the average human being. It takes a whole well, lifetime, right. maybe. And, which I agree with, Yeah, I mean, there are still gay yeah. and, you know, lesbian haters in yeah. our, amongst us, by the yeah. way. And they've been given decades of opportunities, you know, particularly when you think about different media depictions, right. Ellen, for example, you know, right, right, right. to realize that they're just like you and they're not to be afraid. They're nothing to be afraid of. Um, so uh, I say, you know, cause, cause to me, it's like, well, I can empathize for sure. You know, like one of the things that I got in an argument with a family member a long time ago, he was saying that he understands why some businesses would, this was in the nineties. He understood why some businesses would deny like restaurants. They would deny uh, allowing gay people to eat at their restaurant. Right. And I was like, what the fuck? And he's like, well, you know, I, you know, you and I know that gay people don't automatically have HIV. And you and I know even if they did have HIV, that doesn't mean that they're going to transmit it to the other customers. Right. But the customers don't know that. Right. And if someone who looks gay, quote unquote, yeah. comes into your restaurant, that could completely destroy your restaurant because of the way society sees that. Yeah. So... I understand that conundrum. I mean, if I'm a business owner and I'm just like, I'm gay myself yeah. and I'm, and I'm like, look, gay guy, you can't be in here because no one's, uh, my business is going to uh, go underground is going to, you know, go yeah. underwater because of, not because of you, but because society thinks something wrong about you. So right. you got to go. So, and it takes courageous people because you could do the same thing with black people, with Hispanics, with women, with whatever. So, so I, I have sympathy yeah. and I guess sympathy for the feelings of those people. But I don't say, and therefore, let's keep allowing this to happen. Right. What I right. say is like, yeah, I can, for now in this transition zone, I can sympathize. But at the same time, let's fucking move this thing forward, people. Right. Now, I still also claim that, well, I actually, I question there might have to be a line or maybe there isn't. But so here's one extreme example. Let's say I actually start feeling like, like I'm actually, I actually feel like a gorilla. It's not just that he's my spirit furry or whatever. I actually feel like a gorilla and gorillas don't wear clothes. First of all. So I'm going to start not wearing clothes. I want to go to work as a gorilla. The other thing is, man, gorillas don't use a a bathroom. Like they just go wherever. Now, I will cover it with twigs, but I'm going to, like, imagine this extreme, right? Now, uh, 
it's very easy for us to go, well, you're being ridiculous. It's like, well, wait, wait, wait. Seriously, picture that. Seriously, picture that I identify as a gorilla, and that's what makes so, me happy. So and you're if talking, I can't, you're, well, I'm going to commit talking, suicide. Okay, you're talking to the wrong person, because uh-huh. since I was a very young person, yeah. I was like, all this shit has got to go. Like, I'm okay with, with everyone making their own choices. Like, yeah. I like to wear clothes. But I want equally another person to be like, I don't want to wear clothes. Because... There's no logical reason. Now, but, again, but that's not I how have, the human brain works because well, people can't. I have sympathy for people to have their cultural notions challenged, but there are places in the not, world. It's not even that. It's just you were not computers, like you said. I mean, I always challenge you on that, but you, for you now, you're used right. to anything. People, people now, most people in the United States are hetero. Most of those people who were alive in the 80s had negative views about gay people. Most of those people have been enlightened because they changed their minds because they had, they forced themselves or they got exposed to things or something. People could change their attitudes. Now you're giving a, 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 you know, an extreme example, but to me, if that were the case, I would say my position would be now I, I'm not dictator. I'm just one person among 350 million Americans. Yep. I'm one voter. But my vote would be on that person should be allowed to do that. Now, to take a shit in the middle of the a break room, I would say, eh, you know, that's a sanitary issue. Right. Well, I, 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 I'm actually not because I say, no, it's not a free universe, period. End of story. Yeah. There is no freedom, period, end of story. You can't harm now, other people. But but you can't humans, throw, you can't throw your feces at, well, at the and, boss's and, and face when, when just, you're upset. Right, harm isn't only about direct physical contact. Or although, although I'd would, argue that the molecules from the feces contact in your nose is direct physical contact, and photons are also direct physical. Well, at least energetic contact. But what I will say is, <laughs> dude, for example, I'm not the kind of person that could actually, you know, easily transition to concentrating if females were walking around naked in the office. Now, I guess if that became the norm, I'd probably have to go to therapy and, and yoga training and meditation. And then over time, I would get over it and it'd be fine, right? Fair enough. But I, I have rights too. And I have a right to like, well, I liked working in a different way. I don't like working in this way. And so what I'm saying is, it can't be an all or nothing. Because certainly, if it wasn't all or nothing, then you'd say, well, you're right. That's why women should never have been allowed in the workplace. That's why women should never be allowed in the army, right? And that is clearly an extreme. Right. There were, throughout history, as you're pointing out, there have been multiple, when we look back on it, we're like, dudes, let it go. Yeah. Women in the military? Right. That's too distracting. We're, that, that's, this is a matter of life and death, son. We can't have women. And then after a while, it's like, oh, it's fine. It's fine to have women in the military. Now, we're not fine with women in the military yet. We still have problems. Women are being right. sexually assaulted at a much higher rate in those, in those environments. It's not like universal, of course. Right. So, but it's, if, if you know, I re, I'm old, we're old enough to remember a time when yeah. they were just like women or gays in the military, trans people in the military. And so... Yeah, it takes time, and I think it takes some wisdom to be able to detect things. You know, like, um, to me, when I think about history and I think about the meanings of life and what we're doing on this planet and what our priorities should be, if someone wants to be a furry, then they should be a furry. 
and they should be allowed to do that. Now, if I had a furry friend and they wore that, that head thing where I couldn't see their face, I would tell them, by the way, it's hard for me to communicate with you with that thing on because it doesn't emote. I, you know, like I don't like it when people wear sunglasses when they're talking. Yeah, I, I mean, I think, I think, but I would, but I wouldn't say they can't do it. I'd be well, like, well, yeah. but but the point is that limits have to be imposed. For example, let's say that part of my new furry identity or whatever identity is that I sleep during the day and we throw wild parties at night. Now, on the one hand, you're like, great, that sounds awesome for you. But all my neighbors are trying to sleep. Right. So they call the cops and I go like, too bad. This is my identity. This is no. what we do. No, that, that, but, crosses, it, it's, but it's, it's can't the neighbors me. get used to it? No. Wear earplugs. Yeah. Wear earplugs. No. Well, dude, you are not being accommodating. Well, even if I did wear earplugs, I'd, it would still bother me. Well, close, you know, you can get these uh, blinds if that kind of like really if cover I could the effect, light. If I could effectively yeah. completely rid myself of any of the noise, then sure. Yeah. With, well, we'll, we'll, we'll buy you. We will buy you the earplugs. If the earplugs work, then fine. Right. So it must not be that loud. That's not a problem. Well, I mean, you might hear a little thumping. I guess you'll hear the bass thumping. Then that's then that's uh, still affecting. But that's what I. That's what we do. You got to get used to it. Uh, That you 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 should accommodate your life to because this is what I want to do. Right. So it takes some wisdom to be able to and and that's why my that's why my extreme. Just because it's work doesn't mean you don't like working in a certain way. You sh- just because you are at work doesn't mean there, all your likes and dislikes should be ignored. Right. So, so takes wisdom, takes a conversation, right. takes some right. contemplation. And I think without going hypothetical, we have human beings in our society who would like to maybe perhaps more often than they are now be able to wear their yeah. fur costume in public just and just a, a, go to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee Certainly. and just have no ridicule. Certainly. Maybe people are like, ooh, interesting outfit, but it's not ridicule. Certainly. It, it and, is- and there should be zero, in any case, in all of these cases, in all of the above, ever any violence or threats of any kind. Right. Of course. I think what I'm ultimately saying is, I think us on the left often shoot ourselves in the foot of expanding the reach when we act inflexibly and unempathetically to the fact that humans do not change overnight and we are not machines that we can be reprogrammed in a second. I agree. And I, I don't have a lot of sympathy for people who can't think for half a second and go like, oh, that doesn't affect... Someone walking to the store in a furry costume doesn't affect me. Right. I should not ridicule that. And I should not like go to a a you know pta meeting to like stop something from happening sure. like oh there's probably bigger fish to fry than this certainly one. if we're all okay with like our little kids sitting on some furry red and white old dude then at christmas you know <laughs> the original furries yeah all right well that does it for that episode of psychology in seattle in which i did not expect to argue with umberto but i did uh please take care of yourself because you deserve it